called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. And welcome, everyone, to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the wrestling over the last week or so. This is going to be a express lane edition of the pod, mainly because this was something that was supposed to be done last week. Things got in the way, you know, full disclosure, I'll kind of break down what this episode is going to be about right out the gate. So we went to Dallas last Friday for the Rampage and Battle of the Belts taping. Also, they had several episodes of AEW Dark. I'll get to that in a moment. But the last week or so has been kind of a blur. I was going to tape it Sunday. Then Easter Sunday came and went. Kind of just got sidetracked and was also still recovering from a full-blown six, seven-hour trip. Both like going to Dallas, driving all the way over there. And driving all the way back, getting back around 2.30 on a Saturday. And generally kind of just not necessarily feeling all that great. Just kind of exhausted. Sunday came around, went see with family and stuff. So didn't necessarily have enough, enough time for me to really sit down and tape the pod. And then this week, it's kind of a different. I'm changing some things with myself. I'm going work out a little bit more because I hadn't been working out since COVID happened. Let's be more CD talk about his personal life, at least somewhat. Not going to get into all the details because nobody needs to know the whole thing is. So when it comes to how like the last week has been, it's been more me trying to get used to a new rhythm and a new kind of way of thinking. The good side, I actually have lost nine pounds in the last week. That is a huge milestone for yours truly because I have been very much out of shape for a good while. So getting back into the gym, that was a great step in the right direction. Hopefully that can kind of continue as we get into week two of a plan to where I can maybe get back down to 225, maybe even the ultimate goal of getting 205. I know 205 Live has been dead for a while, but honestly, I wouldn't mind leveling up and getting back down to that 205 level. Because that I think I, once I get to that, I am going to be pretty doggone happy. Hell, even if I can get down to my old real fighting weight of 185 not really fighting but 185 if i can get back down to that your boy's gonna be very happy but those are lofty goals and maybe that's stuff that i can talk about more on other podcasts not too far down the road but i want to kind of break down some of my experience at aw rampage at the curtis colwell center in dallas because this was a really cool show I had never been to AEW before, let alone going to in a show outside. I mean, I'm talking about a major promotion outside of WWE and WCW at the Cajun Dome. Those are the only shows I've ever really been to. Never really been outside of that old box. And if you know me well enough, going outside that proverbial box, it's always a little difficult, if you will. So we're going to break it down a little bit. So I'll start off by saying, you know, we got there. And I'll just say this right out of the gate. Curtis Colwell Center has probably some of the worst security I've seen in a venue. And me and a couple of people I was with all agreed they were kind of crap. Like, with all due respect to people who work security for events, this should have been handled a lot better. Because we have the tickets digitally and they just scanned three out of the four tickets. And I just 
waltzed right in like I belonged. Then we get to the security gate. Like the security was just basically walk through the metal detector, put your stuff in a container and you're good. Even if you trigger something, they just let you through. It's a little weird. Again, it's Texas. It's a little bit stranger than it is over here in the heart of Cajun country. I'm sure a lot of other different places too, but it was a pain in the neck getting into the building just to kind of deal with the lines for this. And this was at five o'clock. So an hour before they go live on rampage, we get there, we set up shop and I immediately will always go to the merch table because I never know how long it could take to be at a damn merch stand, no matter where I'm at. Now, Cajun Dome, it can be a little bit easier to do that at the beginning of the show or in the middle of a match that you don't really care about. It's kind of a piss break match. But this was a show I wanted to enjoy, and a lot of the matches they had weren't necessarily the piss break matches. With all, with all due respect to, I think, you know, the Butcher and the Blade, that was definitely a piss break match. But those are generally blinking, you miss it, under a minute type stuff. But I'll get to those matches in a little bit. So merchandise stand, for the most part, was non-diverse. It was AEW t-shirts. Like, I was there for Rampage, Battle of the Belts 2, that kind of thing. You had those shirts. You had CM Punk. You had Sting. I believe you had Sting, at least. You had Adam Cole. You had a lot of other guys. But it just felt like, on the whole, especially when you think about the guys that were on the card... CM Punk, nowhere to be found. Sting, nowhere to be found on the card. Darby, all like they had the guys that were big names and big draws that are gonna get that you know are gonna sell t-shirts. You know they're gonna sell. And maybe I'm thinking out loud on this, and this is some me and some friends that also went, we talked about after. Pro Wrestling Tees has to have at least somewhat of an issue and causes some of that issue. Because it's not like WWE where they have their WWE shop and they handle all the stuff themselves. AEW from the jump has always used pro wrestling tees has always partnered up with them. It's because they have a great relationship with them and it works really well. Now the question is how much is, does that why your merchandise stand is largely like four or five t-shirts. You've got a couple beanies and a, the hats are cool. Don't get me wrong. I love hats. First of all, I'm a big hat guy. I don't wear much hats anymore, but I do love a good hat. And this was like, they got trucker hats and I've never been a guy that buys trucker hats, but if I have an AEW hat, it just looks cool. And the fact that I've just put it backwards, it looks nice. And I know I'm going to be out and about the next few weeks. It's starting to become summertime. I don't want to get my face burned because I've got a five head going on. So, I got that. I got the I got a CM Punk t-shirt, which I've always wanted a CM Punk t-shirt, I guess, ever since he's been in the WWE. Never got one. So I finally got a CM Punk t-shirt and an AEW hat for, for $65. Not bad. They had action figures. They had signed action figures for like 100 bucks. I think the action figures themselves in box were about 30 if not 35 I can't quite remember exactly. I'm sure somebody could tell me you can hit us up on Twitter at Cajun Strong Pod or Facebook. Just search Cajun Strong Style Podcast. You can check us out over there as well. And whatever I got there, they literally had those action figures. And I'm like, okay. A few days later, I actually go down to the Walmart, not far from the Delta Media Studios, and I find a Sting 
I think it's the Illuminaries collection. A Sting one is basically his face paint and everything from the Revolution match in 2021. I immediately scooped that some bitch up. I'll tell you that right now. And I had to. It's I'm a, I'm a big Sting mark. I'm also like I'm not trying to become like the Matt Cardonia of the world and just collecting all these action figures. But this was something I was like, I have to get because I've always been a big fan of his. I have an old Sting action figure lying around somewhere in the parents' house. So that's something that I wanted to get for myself. It was about 21, 22, 21, before taxes. So overall, not bad for an action figure, especially one of that quality, something that you keep, that I keep personally in boxes. Cause I've got the Pac, jer- the Pac action figure. I'm so Jersey. Listen to me. The pack action figure. And I've got the both young bucks and I got a Jericho one. I haven't put in the house yet. And those are all in boxes. I'm never removing those from the boxes. Bottom line. So like I waited probably around 30 minutes before that and got down to my seat probably about 10 minutes before, if not a little bit later than that, got in my seat and Tony Khan comes out for the first of about 20 times. And they had a few dark matches before and one that I was kind of expecting to see, but I was definitely disappointed. I only saw on the television screen, which at moments lagged a lot. I don't know if that was just their system or whatever, but they had TVs all across the arena and we were able to watch Rampage and stuff while we were waiting in line. And I was on our way out. They still had the TVs up and they had TNT on. So I was able to see some of the Pelicans game for a split second before we wound up going back to the hotel. So we get there. I go down. I go sit down. Tony Khan comes out. He's promoting things. But going back to the dark matches, Serpentico, Lee Moriarty. I wanted to see that so bad. Just Serpentico in general. And he's one of those guys that I saw back in. I believe it was. It's definitely well before COVID, and I think it's well before AEW. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just pinpoint this right now. As I believe 2019, I'm going to go ahead and look this up again because I have, I've started to have like a crappier memory. I think as I've gotten older is trying to remember all the shows I've been to because it's like I have like 10 million shows I've been to over the years and it's not 10 million, but it's been probably about like 30 or 40 shows to where I don't necessarily remember the exact time and the fact that since COVID has become a giant blur the last few years, I think that everybody can agree with me. On that sympathy at all. I mean, I think everybody can agree with me on that take. But I believe this was back in 2019 or 2018. It was very early 2019, if it was that. I'm still trying to go back in my archives on my on my Instagram. Because it's generally where I find all the stuff from back then. Because it's it's been a long time since I thought about this. But we got to see Serpentico. Let me see here. Come on, where are we at? Where are we at? Okay, so this was 2019, January 2019. It was an Elevate show. I actually got to see Sir Pinnico wrestle Jay Rios, who is very much a scumbag, but they put on a banger of a match. It was like the first time I ever heard of Serpentico, and he absolutely brought it. So much fun to watch that match from start to finish. Really one of my favorite indie show matches I've seen here in the area. And that was just a little high school gym 
in Cecilia. It was like him, Skylar Moore was involved in that. You also had Zicky Dice like right before he got hot against Effie, which was really cool. And it's great to say that I can actually say I got to see Effie and Zicky Dice wrestle in a little gym. I mean, Effie was starting to make waves, but I think in the last couple of years, he started to really be big. So they had a solid match. It was just about what do you expect from a Serpentico match in AEW. He loses, move on. TK comes out, he hypes with the crowd for the six-man tag that's going to open up Rampage. And this won't be me going down the entire show because full disclosure, I actually had my phone die. Literally, like for shoot. I had my phone die like on my way to the venue. Or no, because we went up going to the Dallas Museum before the Museum of Modern Art. The Museum of Modern Art. There we go. So we go over there before we even get to the venue. Like before we even got the damn show, my phone died. So this is largely going off of memory. Wrote this down on my way back from. In Dallas the next morning after we went to Bucky's. And I'll just run this bad boy down real quick. The six-man tag was really fun. And again, it was great to see Yuta get a win over the ass boys to open up the show. A great call and coming off of that big star-making performance last week against John Moxley. One of the best matches I've seen in a while was that main event of Rampage. This was another really good match, to say the least. And like the second you heard Moxley come out, that crowd went nuts. Everybody's singing Wild Thing. The crowd's going ape for him. And it's great. And they came out all separately. Didn't even realize William Regal was coming out with, with Yuta. Brian Danielson came out. Fans got over. I was so happy to see all those guys. Because I like if my, my memory is serving me correctly, I haven't seen it any of those guys outside of Moxley wrestle live. And I saw Moxley wrestle live when he was at WWE several times as Dean Ambrose. And it was so cool to see the wild thing entrance and all that really good six man tag, get the crowd hyped up. Then butcher squashed some uh, random guy. I can't remember who he was off top, but it was basically minute in and out type stuff. And it was all just hype up Butcher versus Wardlow that was happening the Wednesday on Dynamite. Then you had a promo. I believe this was the pre-tape. And then they went to Ruby Soho, the Owen qualifier. I have it a little bit backwards in my notes. But Dustin Rhodes says he's going to face CM Punk after beating Lance Archer and taking him out of the top five. And wants the dream match. And it's crazy to think that this was the first time they've ever fought one-on-one. Especially considering the fact of how many times they probably have crossed paths in the WWE and never wrestled before, even on a house show. It's kind of crazy. But during the Ruby Soho match and during Butcher as well, I needed to get drinks because there was no way I was going to miss the Texas death match and battle the belts and whatever else they're going to do for dark. Cause it turns out they were going to do two tapings for dark. So just based off a of rampage, really solid show. Rob, Robin renegade Ruby Soho was a solid match. I like Soho's new finisher it looked great. Just saw it largely on the TVs while waiting in line for my drinks. They didn't have collector cups, which was kind of weird. But again, it's a smaller venue that's used largely for volleyball state championships and not much else. It's not often used for something like that on that big of a scale. And it was a really nice sized crowd. You had about 75% full. I'd say the only part that was empty was the production side was like 
was where the hard cams were and stuff. It was just largely a handful of people scattered in there. Everything else was packed. Sign guy was on the opposite side. And he held up a Where's Cody sign, which I absolutely loved when I saw that. So we get to the main event. And I just swear to God, I was losing because I'm like, it's going to happen. Like, this is exactly why I was wanting to come to hear Mark Henry say, it's time for the main event. Like, I could just, he, like, I know how he does word for word because he does it the same way every week. And it hit well. I just, I was so hyped for it. And then the Texas Deathmatch happened. This freaking ruled. Seeing a Deathmatch live in living color, it's amazing. And it just felt like a huge deal. So many great false finishes. And a really fun just brawl in general. They had a walker brawl spot where they wound up going up to the ro- to the top rope. Not to the top rope. Just like probably halfway up the steps. And Paige just blasts Adam Cole with a with the beer and then he drinks the beer, which I would not be surprised if CM Punk uses that shot of Paige drinking beer during the death match as an angle leading up to the match with them at double or nothing, which they've already started teasing on the next dynamite, which I was kind of glad I didn't do this before because I just feel like they're going to, they were already teasing it and now they're really kind of bringing it home. So you have that. Really good match. The The final spot, I didn't realize what it was until my buddy Dylan actually told me that it was barbed wire. Because they had a chain spot early on in the match. I thought it was the chain that he kind of wrapped around his head. But it was the barbed wire and it looked like the crown of thorns. Doing that on a good Friday was a little bit of a bad look. I think Adam Page probably regrets that. But honestly, it's a really cool visual. And the dead eye through the table got the job done. Just an overall badass match. I wish it could have been a little bit longer. But again, I understand. Kind of have to not let it be a full-blown, you know, goosher of a match. Especially at 6 o'clock on a good Friday. But still, really good stuff here. Can't wait to see what's going to happen not too far down the road. So, TK, for the second time, comes out. They're taping two weeks of dark content. So, we have some fun matches here. Tony Storm. This is actually the stuff that happened on this past Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. With Tony Storm, had a quick match, popped the crowd with her appearance. Jamie Hayter was on commentary. She won a quick match. Danielle Camella won a squash match, kind of hyping her up before a match against Dr. Britt Baker. That happened on Dynamite. Spoilers, Britt Baker won in her hometown. Then we get to Marina Shafir. And people absolutely shat on her. And I think it's justifiable. People hated her match on Dynamite, and I agree with them wholeheartedly because she felt like she was just so scared, and she shrunk underneath the big lights, and that happens to a lot of people, regardless of profession. It happens a lot. This was a prime example of that, but they were able to make it work with this one. She looked way more composed, and it was a squash match on Dark, but she looked like she understood her role a lot more. Her body language on Dynamite was way different than what I saw in that short match on Dark. Then Jade Cargill came out after the match. Again, type of the match on Rampage. She was over like Rover. It's amazing. Like I mentioned her as my Rookie of the Year in last year's, or the Cage Strong Style Awards that we dropped at the, I think it was around February. So when I dropped those, I knew Jade Cargill was probably going to be a strong favorite. 
A lot of people voted for other people. But I think Jade Cargill, without a doubt, was the rookie of the year in every way. She went from having a match with Shaquille O'Neal on a go-home show, a mixed tag with Cody and Red Velvet against Jade Cargill and Shaq. And she was that was her first ever match. And within a year, she's TBS champion and probably one of the most over-women superstars on the roster, if not the industry. That is an amazing thing to think about. Incredibly over. She just has that natural aura, that charisma that you want from a pro wrestler that you think about when you think about like big over-the-top stars. She has that it factor. The second she came out over like Rover, that music hits, a storm is coming. Everybody knows who's walking out. Everything about the way they have built her up over the last year is amazing. And she could probably be considered a fifth pillar in AEW right now. And I got in a conversation with somebody on Twitter talking about how Wardlow's probably going to be the biggest homegrown talent that AEW's ever had. I agree with him, but I feel like there's something to be said about what Jay Cargill's done in one year. She's already become one of the most popular stars in AEW. And nobody heard of her before she joined. She never really had a whole lot of experience, and she was a greenhorn, but she has proven herself to be one of the best women's wrestlers going right now. Hop Starks, this was a great tag team match after they took on the Dark Order, Uno and Grayson. And the fact that it was the Super Smash Brothers version of the Dark Order, I freaking popped. Because that was one of my favorite things back in the day when I'd be browsing YouTube, go and watch indie matches, was to go look up Player Uno and Stu Dose. Like, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, those two guys are great. And they're, they're great hands. They put on a really fun match. And the fact that it was just on a dark and it was more than like five minutes. I think that alone speaks to how much fun I had with this. And in between matches, you had music playing and whatnot. I give them credit. AW puts together a show a lot like it's a party. And it's just it just rolls. It flies. It's a four-hour show, but it feels like I want four more because it's that good. Tony Nese had a squash match. He literally just drove a dude into the ground with like a driver. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Very, 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 very good. So I got to see that. That was just an amazing, you know, bump. I I, I still can't believe he is alive, but it was awesome. Then we get to the last match on this edition of Dark, which aired this past Tuesday. And my God. This was one of my favorite matches of the night. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against Camarado and Solo. Camarado, Solo, Agogo. This match freaking slapped. Lee and Swerve, huge hometown pop for Keith Lee. Everybody for like a good minute, minute and a half were chanting, basking his glory before the match even freaking started. These two just put on a banger. And they had a really cool sequence in the NOLA episode of Dynamite where it was basically like a throwing dude off the top rope and landing on a, and hitting him with a pounce right after. This was even better because you had a Spirit Bomb Meteora combo for the win. I was like, what the hell's going on? This was sick. So damn good. Camarato Solo, really good tag team. That match slapped really good hands. So I, if you haven't seen it yet, 
go out of your way and check it out. Really good stuff. Battle of the Belts 2 comes up, and after a few minutes of a break, they kind of set everything up. They change the tarp, all that stuff. Battle of the Belts 2 up next. Tony Khan comes out yet again, says everybody stick around, get ready for a great dynamite or Battle of the Belts, all that stuff. He came out a lot. Sammy had the most mixed reaction I've seen in AEW, bar none. It was probably, I'd say, 70 30, like 70% being. Sammy sucks and the other 30 being let's go Sammy. And again, you're in Texas. You should be able to get over in Texas. But no, he was able to kind of finalize a heel turn with a low blow to help him win the belt. And I was thinking for a minute they were going to have him win him back at the Cali show, but it looks like they're going to play hot potato one more time and have Sky probably win at the show on Dynamite this Wednesday, which don't get me wrong, that's a really cool idea, but man, it feels like it's way too soon for a rematch for this one. They should have at least built it up and have Sammy be a heel and just tell him, hey, move on down the line. But they just basically said, hey, you get your mixed tag team match, probably double or nothing, and then we can blow off this damn feud finally. And then maybe Scorpio Sky faces Cass for the TNT title at the Cali show. I want to see that as a main event. Cali, SEU guys squaring off, that would be a banger of a match. And maybe Christopher Daniel special guest referee. I don't know. That was a really fun match. Jonathan Gresham versus Dalton Castle. This was a great match. Like if you like technical stuff and you like the ROH style, this was exactly what you wanted. This is what you expect from a Ring of Honor show. This was a good match all the way through. Really cool sequences going back and forth. Just so damn good. And like Gresham retains the title. Then after the post-match, Schmaz, this was great because you basically had Satnam Singh, who probably had one of the worst debuts, seemingly redeem himself by having a really cool segment where he just beats the crap out of everybody. He destroyed the boys. Then he destroys Dalton Castle, destroys Gresham, just plays basketball with his head. Just amazing stuff from start to finish. From Satnam Singh, then all of a sudden Samoa Joe walks out, crowd goes nuts. He's holding a lead pipe, clears the ring, shakes hands with Gresham. They hold the title, their titles together. Just a really cool moment in AEW on Battle of the Belts. Then we get to the main event, Thunder Rosa Nyla Rose was adequate. It was a good match, just was missing something special for a first title defense, especially that like David versus Goliath story. It felt like it didn't have it was missing something. Then we get to the end of the show. This was more dark. Tony Khan comes out for the well, like fourth time, I think I've counted. He comes out again, and we get more dark. So we get three matches on this card. They taped a few at the beginning, so it's probably going to be part of this week's show. So the Abaddon squash, first off, Abaddon looks great. Like I like the way she's presented now versus what she was at the start. And what she was at the start was still good. It just feels like it's much more grounded in reality versus, oh, hey, she looks like the living dead girl from the Moist Critical videos from many years ago. Only thing missing was clone's clone. And then we get to a match that happened with QT Marshall versus Penta Oscuro. This was good fun. And again, Penta was probably, if I were to do a top three of over, it's got to be number one. Moxley and Danielson as a tie. Number two, Keith Lee. 
Penta and like Jade Cargill are probably a tie for that bronze medal, that third place. Damn good stuff. Penta was over. He got the win, obviously. But it was really good to see QT just play up the comedy heel and get his comeuppance. And more importantly, the arm breaker actually looked legit and it ended a match. It's a kill move. Like, why can't this ever be a kill move in AEW? I think it's time to start establishing that as a kill move. And this could be a step towards that. Last match of the night was a 10-man tag. And boy, oh boy, this was a surprise. So you have Private Party and Helico, The Blade, and Max Caster against Top Flight, Kaz, and the freaking Hardys. I popped huge for that. The second Tony Khan announced it before Rampage even started, I wanted to see this happen so bad. He comes out, this match was so damn good. Kaz just, he still got it. Like, I remember seeing him in WWE on Velocity back in like 2004, 2005, and he was so damn good. Even in TNA, when he was part of Serotonin and all that crap, he was still so damn good. And this was another step towards me just being like, I forgot how good Kaz was back in the gap. The He brought the heat. It was very good stuff. Hardy's cast off flight one after the Swanton bomb. But it was just so cool to see all these big names be able to showcase themselves. Sadly, Darius Martin actually got injured. He's going to be out for a good while yet again. Good luck to him as he kind of begins that road to recovery. But this was a fun 10-man tag to end the show. Send the crowd home happy. Hardy send the crowd home having very good mood from everybody involved. So cool just to see how everything went down. All of a sudden, you have Tony Khan come out again. He brings out Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, which was great in and of itself. Just see the fact that they had freaking Danhausen was awesome. Then he brings out Hook. Hook comes out to his music, walks out, then walks back to through the heel gate. So freaking cool. Like the second he came out, big pop for him. And then the Hardys decide we're gonna go ahead and juke and jive with everybody. And they do the Hardys dance. Everybody started to do it. Danhausen doing it was the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Because it's like Danhausen just he's got no rhythm and it's it's done on purpose, obviously. But the cat looked like he had never danced outside of the time he played tequila. Which, by the way, like Tony Khan, get the tequila music for the love of God. Please do that. And they all do the best friends hug thing to t- end the taping right around, I'd say, 9.45, And we made our way out of the arena. It's a... You're never going to get a bad show at AEW, I think. You will never get that. And it's more because they have an absolutely loaded roster. They have one of the best rosters in all of wrestling. You have all those guys... And you again, you didn't have CM Punk. You didn't have Sting. You didn't have Darby. You didn't have Andrade. You had all those guys not on the card. And it was still probably one of the best shows I've ever been. It's the best show I've ever been to, bar none, because it had so much fun. And then more importantly, I just got into it right out the gate. It felt like a party from start to finish. This was hands down one of my favorite wrestling shows I've ever been to. And I would love to go to another AEW show. So I got to say, 
If you've never been, get your ass out to an AEW show soon because you are missing out on a really great live product. Get ready for lines, but more importantly, get ready for a hell of a time. You will not regret it. Even if we were up at the very top of the venue, which really wasn't that high up. It's not like we're at the top of like like Cowboy Stadium. We're at the top of like a small venue. It's basically 115 at the very top to where like I was able to see plenty of everything and I'd have to just look at a scoreboard all day. That's that's one of the big things about me with wrestling. I want to be able to get a decent enough, enough seat where I get to see everything. I'm not just looking up at a screen for three hours. If I'm doing that, like I'd much rather just watch it at home. But I'm still one day want to go to WrestleMania. Maybe WrestleMania 40 could be the time I finally get off my ass and go go see WrestleMania. But that's something that I'll figure out more down the road once I know where the hell WrestleMania 40 is going to be. If there is one, in fact. If you believe the rumor in your window about WWE selling to Disney in the not-too-distant future. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but it feels like that's something that's going to be a conversation we have down the road. But I appreciate you listening into the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify. And until next week, enjoy the wrestling and y'all take it easy.